0: Some of you guys, I just want to say this now. You just need to get a grip. You've been told that. You need to get a grip. And that's what that's what uh, Paul is praying that we will do in this passage is to get a grip, to get a grip on the fullness of his love. All right? Well, read it with me if you would. And verse starting in verse 14, we're going to read through verse 21 and see if we can Get ready to get a grip here. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees. Well, he says, for this reason, what reason? He's been talking about the greatness of the mystery of Christ in this chapter. About this mystery. What was this mystery? This was always the plan of God. He talks about it being the eternal purpose in verse 11. This was, is that if you'll see that this mystery in verse 8. That Gentiles are fellow heirs. Member of the same body. Partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That all the way from the beginning. All the way from the time in the garden. That uh, Adam and Eve had sinned. And that God had said that, that the seed of the woman would come. And then we find out, Paul tells us in Galatians, that when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. That always it was God's plan that he was going to come and that he was going to die for our sins on the cross and bring Jew, Gentile, everybody together in one. So this is the eternal purpose of God. And he says, I'm like a steward of this mystery uh, uh, that that God has given us to, uh, to proclaim now, that he's made it known to us. So he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father With all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen hallelujah. Amen. Pray with me again. Father, just ask that you'll bless your word it is alive. It is powerful. Open up our hearts to receive it. Open up our minds to process it. And I pray that, that deep within us, you would help us to begin to grasp what you're asking and praying for us to grasp right here in this passage and apply it to our lives and be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you and I need to get a grip on this, okay? Um, Even though it's beyond human ability to understand and comprehend, Paul prays that we might get a handle on this. It's big stuff. You know, how do you, comprehend something that surpasses knowledge right how do you get a grip on it i mean this is this is we're talking about the love of christ the love of christ is a central part of this passage to understand the power of that it's kind of like that you know we we love we we we, this is precious truth to us but it's just hard to get arms around it right i mean it's, it's just that It's kind of like that big, fat brother-in-law you might have. You you love him, but you just can't quite get your arms around him, right? Right? (laughs) That's kind of the way this is. Uh, But uh, Paul says, and he prays here, that God will grant us what we need. Did you catch that? That God will give us, out of his own resources, that he will grant. Now, the thing about a grant is that um, it's different than a loan. You don't repay a grant. This is something you can't earn. This is something you don't deserve. This is something that he gives. So he says in verse 16 that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, the inner man, the inner person inside you. That's your soul. That's your spirit. And you notice he said that he's praying for this. To be granted to us. And he's granting us according to his riches of his glory. Now I want you to think about that. This is infinite. Now out of his riches he could give us. But he didn't say out of but according to. That's like someone who's a billionaire. I don't reckon I know anybody like that. Okay, But just there are those people out there. But say someone was a billionaire. The difference is, is out of his riches, he could give you five bucks. But according to his riches, he could give you a million. Now, I could give you five bucks, but I sure could not give you a million. Because I don't have the resources, right? So you see what he's saying? That according to his riches, this is infinite riches of glory, that according to that, that he can grant you. So I'm just going to say, whatever your need is, he is sufficient. Amen? Okay. That he can grant you to be strengthened. Oh, there's just no hope for me. I just can't. No, no. He says that he will grant you, according to his riches and glory, to be strengthened with power in in your inner being. And it's with and through the Holy Spirit uh, that he's going to do this. So we, like I said, can't earn it, can't pay it back. He grants it. Now, he's going to give you everything that you need if you trust him. If you make that decision to yield to him and trust him. Everything. Everything. So we we go along struggling. And this has been a time of struggle. These have been difficult days to live in. And that's why Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verse 32. He said. He's talking about this very thing. He says. He who did not spare his own son. But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. In other words. If he went to the trouble to send his son, if Jesus went to the trouble to come down and appear in the flesh and grow up and be fully human yet fully God, if he went to the trouble to take all your sins and all my sins to the cross and suffer the wrath of God and the eternal payment for those sins, if he went to that much trouble just to save you, don't you think that once he saves you, he's going to freely give us all the things that we need to be victorious? And that's what he's talking about in that passage about being more than conquerors in Christ. It's not a blank check. It's those things that will glorify him. Of course, you've got to put it in the context there. And so I realize I'm bankrupt. I realize that I don't have the resources. I realize that I am weak and that according to me, when I try to keep all the rules and the laws that I am going to fall short or I'm going to, I'm going I'm to try to figure a way. I think I'm doing it, but I'm really not. I have to realize I'm bankrupt. But then I have to realize that his resources are unlimited. And that out of his love, he gives me what I could never have on my own. And does in my life what I could never do on my own. So all these requests in this flow together. He prays that the you see that the inner person, the inner man, as some translations say, might have spiritual strength. Are you following me here? And when you have spiritual strength, it's going to lead to a deeper experience in Christ and in His love. This deeper experience will enable them to understand, to comprehend, to apprehend, get a grip is what that word means, to get a grip on God's great love. When you begin to get a grip on God's great love, it's going to result in you being filled with all the fullness of God. Did you follow me there? I don't say, you guys don't look like you did. I think I need to say all that. This is why it takes me so long to preach, because I, I think somewhere or another you guys were daydreaming, or somebody was, not, not you, right, right? Okay, can, can I just run through that one more time? I want you to see how all this connects in this passage. That he's praying that the inner person might have spiritual strength. If that happens, then in turn it will lead to a deeper experience with Christ dwelling in you. That deeper experience of Christ dwelling in your relationship with Him will enable you to comprehend, apprehend, understand, get a grip on God's great love. To get a better grip on God's great love that passes understanding, but you begin to get a grip on it. And that will result in you being filled with all or completed with all the fullness of God. That's what this passage is laying out there. That sounds very exciting to me. How about you? Uh, so this is the prayer, and this is what we're talking about, and how to be filled with his fullness. Um, so, first thing he says in verse 16 was that you be strengthened. Be strengthened with, he says, uh, with power. Through, be empowered with power, literally, in the Greek. Through his spirit. And so we see that the presence of the spirit should equal evidence of the strength in our life and the power of the spirit gives us enablement to be what he wants us to be now we know according to romans chapter 8 verse 9 he says in romans 8 9 if anyone has not the spirit of christ he is not his you can't be saved without the holy spirit according to paul because if he's not there you don't belong to him the fact that you do belong to him means that his presence is there uh, and that the power of the Spirit is enablement for Christian living. And that's what we need. And it's made available to every one of us and it's according to his riches. It's not like, well, he blesses and gives more, some people more strength than he gives me. No, it's available for each one of us. The question is, do we receive it or not? And he's praying that they will. See, there's some decisions that have to be made. Or else why would he even pray about it, Right? He's praying that this will happen, which means that it might not happen for everybody if they don't cooperate with what God's trying to do. So we don't have to. Here's what we need to realize. His presence. We're strengthened by his strength. Somehow, it's not that we've got to conjure up this strength. You can't do it. We're trying to conjure something up. He's already sent something down. His very presence. presence. We're talking about the Spirit of God. We're talking about God the Spirit. We're not talking about just some impersonal force. We're talking about God himself, right, living within us, empowering us. So things ought to be different. So now, see, now I've got the ability to obey, see, all of the things that please him. Now it's not just I'm trying to keep rules because if I don't, God's going to get me. And he just can't wait. Because we relate things to a human understanding. I mean cuz sometimes I knew I had teachers growing up that I irritated and I know that some of them see back in those days they punished a little differently than what you guys can do now. Amen, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh and all I can say was is that you could reason with me and threaten me but It didn't work, but there were certain nerves that ran from my backside to my brain that if you applied enough pressure there, it would finally register here. But I know I had some that they were just waiting for me to give them a reason. I mean it's like they almost couldn't wait for me to mess up bad enough. That they could really get me. You know what I'm saying. And the problem is sometimes we relate that to our relationship with God. That he's just waiting to just get us right. But that's not it at all. It's the exact opposite of that. What he wants is to realize is that we are weak. We've been corrupted by sin. We've got that sinful flesh nature that controls us. Whether We, real, we think we're in control but it's really sin that controls us. It's the flesh that controls us. And it's been corrupted. And flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of heaven. And that's why he came to redeem us from that. But the whole thing about it is. Is that once we begin this process. And that we begin to get a grip of his love. And we have his presence and his power living in us. I still realize that I am weak. And I'm going to fail. But now because of my love relationship with him. And because of his grace where he paid it all. When I sin I'm convicted. And I I ask forgiveness. But I am compelled that now. I don't want to just not get in trouble. I don't want to just keep his rules. That. I want to please him because I love him so much. It's a whole different motivation. Love is such a much more powerful motivator than guilt or duty. I want to. And when I fail, I can come back to that well of grace. But it's not that I take that as license to fail because I want to please him. He rewires, can we say it just in a hillbilly way? Remember, you can still make fun of hillbillies, right? <laughs> and we're all from, yeah. He, he. So for some of you, you may need translation. I don't know. He rewires our want to. Our want to. That's not one word with two syllables. It's actually two words, want to. Our, our desires. He rewires our want to. He rewires our desires of what we want to do. I want to please him. And so this is what he said that he's praying for, that the power has been, is for our inner being. That is your soul and the spirit. It's a place where God dwells and works. See, before we receive the gift of his love and the gift of his grace, before we receive Christ as savior, the Bible tells us that spiritually in our inner being, we are dead. That is separated from God. Back over in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins. You were dead. And then in verse 4, he says, But God being rich in mercy. There's that riches of God again. God being rich in mercy because of the great love. There's his love again with which he loved us. Are you looking? Chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved he re-emphasizes. And uh, so, (sighs) I was dead spiritually in my inner being, but now I've been made alive. See, this, the soul, your spirit, that's the real you on the inside. See, on the outside, we spend all of our time worrying about what's on the outside. We spend all of our time worrying about what people see on the outside, how they perceive us on the outside, how we look. And we forget the real you is who's on the inside. And that's where he wants to begin his change on the inside. Now, I'm finally getting to the age where that the outer person is really beginning to waste away. (laughs) In fact... Uh, this was somebody last night, didn't I, Close that I hadn't really seen in a few years very much. And they're like, at first, like, now, who are you? And, um, and, and I had said, yeah, uh, you know me. And they're like, oh, yeah. I said, I probably look a little different than I did a few years ago. My hair has changed colors. And, um, and so later she was saying, I didn't recognize it, but he's just gone white-headed. And I'm like, thank you, thank you. Yes, I have. I, I own that. I am owning that. See, what my theory is, is for a lot of years people would try it, and whether they were lying or not. I don't know, God knows, they know. But they would say like, you know, I hadn't seen them in years. They'd say, like, well, you haven't changed. You haven't changed. And it's like, oh, well, good. Yeah. But now they're like, whoa. <laughs> I didn't recognize you. And, and my theory is, I want to get this all over with at once. OK, I'm going to get, I'm making the transition right now. I'm too lazy to color my hair and keep up with it. Right. I'm just too lazy for that. Don't care about that. So um, I'm going to get it all a transition made. Uh, right. Some of you guys need to be saying amen because you're right there with me. OK. Um, and then, so if I get that done right. So now then maybe, you know, 10, 15 years from now, they'll be saying, well, you haven't changed much because, see, I did it all at once. You think? You think? It's, it's, it's not, okay. Well, at least I got some kind of false hope to hold on to there. But anyway, but the outward. So here's what I'm saying. Paul addresses this. Did you know that? In 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, he says this. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. You know what that means to lose heart, don't you? You get all discouraged on the inside. He said, even though our outward man, that's that outward being, that's your physical body, is perishing. Amen? Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man, that inward being that he's talking about and praying about in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 3 says, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Every day I can be made new, made new on the inside. This renewal process. So in spite of the outward physical decay, this inner power is renewed every day. And that's where we're going to find victory. I need that. I need to be coming to drink from that well every day. To be renewed on the inside. That's the real you. So what does it mean to have the spirit empower power the inner person? It means that this, if our spirit is empowered, it means that we are controlled by God. So if my inner being is empowered by the spirit of God, like that verse says in verse 16 of Ephesians 3, that means my inner being, my soul, my spirit is empowered, is, watch this, is controlled by the spirit of God. And we are exercising that power in our life and growing in the word of God and it's only when I yield my will to his will and I yield to the spirit and I let him control my inner being that I'm going to have this victory so I have an ability to make a choice there I can't do this on my own but I can decide whether I'm going to try to do it on my own or am I going to yield to his word and his power amen all right and then verse 17 of Ephesians 3 says, so that. Now, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? He says, I'm praying this will happen so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And once again, it's through faith. It's not through works. It's not through what you achieve. It's by you trusting him, by you trusting what he said, by you trusting who he is, by you trusting what he did for you on the cross. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts. That's still talking about that inward being, that most inward part of you, in your soul and your spirit. He says, through faith. Are you trusting him that you, you, yes, you, being rooted and grounded in love? So here's what he's talking about. He's talking about strength. So he's praying for strength. The next thing he's praying for is depth. Did you catch that? Because when he says that Christ may dwell, did you get that? That he may dwell in your hearts. See, our spiritual depth. Some people's spiritual life may seem to be like, woo, really something. I mean, they're really... Uh, They're really out there. But it may be a mile wide, but only an inch deep. Listen, we've got to go deep. What we need is depth. Now that verb to dwell, that Christ may dwell, it means that to live. Actually, the verb in the Greek means to settle down and be at home. Did you get that? That's what it means to dwell. He's talking about a depth of relationship right there. Jesus at home in your heart. Now you know what he might not feel so at home in our hearts. Have you ever gone to somebody's house and you just you just like not you don't feel at home? I mean you just don't feel like you feel like uh, you have to mind your manners, huh? There's times we go places and I am reminded to mind my manners. Uh, but there are other places that you can go. How about this? There are other friends, you could go to their home, and you could kick your shoes off, and you can just go sit down. You could just go to the refrigerator and see if there's any snacks. You know what? You just absolutely make yourself at home, because if you're at your home, you kind of do that, right? Right, because you're comfortable. Well, the thing about it is, he says, for Christ to dwell in your hearts, it means he makes himself at home. Does he feel at home in your heart, or is it a little bit uncomfortable in there? On the inside. I'm not talking about all the stuff we do on the outside. Talking about on the inside. And so that's talking about depth. Does he dwell in you? Is it just a surface relationship? He longs for an ever deepening fellowship with all of us. And all of this happens by faith. He says so we may be rooted. Now the verb rooted is a word picture from the plant world of course. That in order to survive a tree must get its roots very deep into the soil. As its roots get very deep into the soil, it gives it a couple of things. It gives it nourishment and stability. And that's what we need is we are rooted in Christ. It gives us nourishment spiritually and stability when the storms of life come. So he says rooted. That we've got to have our spiritual roots deep in the love of God. But remember, the focus of this passage is the love. Because he says rooted and grounded in what love okay so where are you drawing your nourishment where are you drawing your stability if there's to be power in your life there's got to be depth and that's one of the big problems is that so many who call the name of christ and profess to be christ followers don't have any depth of relationship and it doesn't take much to knock you down and get you discouraged and get you off track uh, it, I never cease to be amazed of what little bit of nothing sometimes it takes to get some people derailed. Um, and then you know, I, I talk to people all the time, not just because they're maybe not showing up and gathering with the church, but when that happens, I always worry about, how, the main thing is how's your spiritual life? How's your walk with God? So I always worry if there's a correlation, but, but, but so many people get their feelings hurt, right? And it's happened. If you hang around, I promise you it's gonna happen. I'm not hurting myself. I anyway, mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Is this going to happen with human relationships? We're going to fail. We're going to fail each other. We're going to ac- you know, accidentally, sometimes on purpose, hurt each other's feelings. And usually, whatever happens, I usually say that if that's a valid excuse for you, then you need to get in line behind me because I guarantee you, in the years that I've been here, there's been a lot of times my feelings got hurt a lot worse than that. Don't let the devil win that way, folks. Don't let him discourage you that easily, okay? Don't let him do it. That's why. It will happen unless we get some death because, you know, as you start growing and those roots start going deep, I'm telling you what, the enemy's just watching to see what can I use to get you discouraged and upset. And he usually doesn't have to hunt very far before he finds a tool to use against us. And we cooperate with that way too easily. And so we're to be rooted. That's nourishment and stability. But he also says grounded, rooted and grounded in his love. The verb that is translated grounded is an architectural term. And it refers to like the foundations on buildings. And so how deep and how sturdy is your foundation? You remember that story Jesus told about the wise man and the foolish man? The foolish man built built his house on the sand. The wise man was what? Not just the one that heard Jesus' words, but the one who obeyed them, right? He built his house on the rock. And so they both built houses. One was on the sand, one was on the rock. But when the storms came, what? Remember the little song we used to sing when we were kids? Uh, That uh, the house on the rock stood firm and the house on the sand went what? Splat! Yes, uh, so this is what he's saying, that we want to have, be rooted and grounded. That is, have a good foundation. You know, the big, tall buildings, the taller they go, did you know the deeper they have to go with the foundation? So that the building stands, so the building doesn't fall? You can't rise up high until you go deep. Until you're getting deep in your relationship with the Lord, you can't rise up high. You may, if you try to rise up high and, 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 and be in you know, a position of responsibility and leadership and, and trying to do all these great things, if you're not going deep, then the devil will just send a storm and it's going to blow you over, right? So he says, that's why he says you need to be rooted and grounded in his love. Not, and, and this is all happening by faith, but it's in his love. So here's what Paul is saying. I want you to get a hold of this, all right? Keep reading in verse 18, that you may have strength. Again, strength to comprehend or to understand with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ. So he's still talking about his love. Now, stay with me just for a few more minutes, please. Okay, are you ready? So here's where we get a grip, where he says that you may have strength to comprehend or understand. Now, the English word comprehend and apprehend both stem from the same Latin word, which is prehender. Which means to grasp. Like we say that, like um, we would say that a monkey has a prehensile tail. That means that they can grasp with their tail. Like they can hold on to a limb, right? It's prehensile. And this is where our word comprehend and apprehend comes from. Comprehend means that you grab it with your mind. Apprehend means that you physically grab something and take a hold of something and you make it yours. And I want to tell you that both are involved in what he's saying here in the original Greek. He's talking about that you mentally and spiritually in every way getting a grip on this and making it a part of yourself. That's what he's saying. So that's why we're talking about getting the grip to comprehend to really see you can know something but you don't really have a handle on it, as we say in our vernacular. He wants us to get a handle on it. Lord, I need to continually get a handle on this. Amen? So that's what he means here. Um, Paul's concern is that we lay hold of the vast expanse of the love of God. His love expands in every direction, height, width, depth linked every direction the love of God is expanded it's so vast that it passes knowledge he says so wait a minute how can you get a grip on something that passes knowledge well the way you do it is by faith By trusting him. You may not understand and know it all. And I want to tell you. Throughout eternity in heaven. In his presence. As the ceaseless endless ages roll. I think we're going to continue to be overwhelmed. And fascinated by new depths of his love. I think. I think my opinion is. Is that in eternity. We'll still have the ability to learn. And to grow. And that in as long as we're there. Our minds are not going to be limited. Like they are here. And so I think forever. We will continually be awed and amazed. By new depths of the love of God that we discover and know. And it'll never, ever end because there is no end to his glory. There is no end to his love. And forever, we're going to be overwhelmed and thrilled and in awe of this. So how do we get a grip on something like that? Only one way, and that is by faith, that we begin to lay hold of it, that we begin to... to uh, have a, this is a part of our life, and so we are so rich in Christ. You know what? You can't even calculate it. It's kind of like the man who went to the boat salesman boat. I started to say boat store. I don't think the went to the uh, <clears throat> marina, huh? The boat store. Okay, we're back to that. He he's looking at these big expensive boats. You know, he goes to some of these places, and you look at these boats, and it's like. How do people, you know, we were in, uh, what, Osage a few weeks back and they're having this big, what was it, boat race, boat thing. It wasn't the hydroplane type. It was the like big gigantic boats with like five motors on it. And just like, um, and they were like on the news saying that this boat costs like $3 million, you know. So we're talking about, you're looking around at something like that not canoes. And so the guy was looking, I went a long ways to tell this story, didn't I? I'm sorry. But, But the guy's looking through and he's interested in these and he keeps asking the question. So how much, how much is this one? How much is this one? And the salesman just says, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Right? 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 Okay. So, so anyway, that's the whole thing is that the riches that you have in Christ is more than could ever even be described to you but he can still at the same time help you get a grip on them so that they apply to your life and this love that he's talking about is not on an emotion only an emotional level it's not just about you and me feeling the warm fuzzies and a tingle up and down our spine and oh how we love that it's even when things are going bad and things are are tough that we have faith in his love I'll tell you what it is. More than the other, it is a supernatural ability that you and I start receiving from Him to be able to love people who are unlovable or who don't love us. That you can actually return love, you can return good for evil. That he gives you the ability to forgive someone who's done hateful things to you. Someone who's hurt you very badly. You might not. Trust has to be built, but love is out of grace and a gift. That he can give you the ability to forgive them. And you know what? No Christian has to worry about having inadequate resources to do this. Of ourselves we do, but his is, it passes knowledge. His love is infinite. And so when I have trouble loving, I always say, Lord, give me some of your love. Because it's his love flowing in me and spilling out that enables me to do what I can't do. And I get to see what he can do. See, by faith in Christ is the only way you can get your hands on all these resources that surpass knowledge. That's what Paul was saying. That's why he said this verse that you see it you see it on sneakers, you see you see it on ball caps, you see it everywhere. This verse, this is what Paul means when he says in Philippians 4:13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the strength that he's talking about here. And so this is the strength. So what he's praying about is that then we experience the fullness, the fullness. Do you see that? Because he says in verse 19, He says, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What? You're kidding me. Filled. You think about the fullness of this infinite God. How can I be filled with his fullness? He's talking about you and me being made complete in his fullness. If this is what we have available for us, that the fullness of God fill us. And if I'm full of him and I get jostled in life... You know, what's going to spill out is what you're full of, right? I mean, think about it, right? You know, at at Encounter, we do this illustration, you know, where you've got this full glass. And if you're jostled and that's what's going to spill out of it is what's in the glass. And if we're filled with the fullness of God, when the storms come, when the difficult times come, you know, uh, and too many of us are all too ready to display what we're full of when times get bad. Right? Right. I want to be full, filled with the fullness of God. And that don't just happen automatically. It's when I trust him and I submit to him. And uh, so God wants to fill every vacuum. So this, the means, as it says there, the means of our fullness is the Holy Spirit. And the measure of our fullness is the Lord himself filled with the fullness of God. And um, so why, we like to measure ourselves by others. Usually, if I'm going to measure myself, compare myself, I want to find the weakest Christian I know and compare myself to them, right? That's not what he does. That's not what God does. Uh, Paul tells us that the measure is Christ himself. And we can't boast about anything. He's not comparing you to each other. It's You and I all fall short of his perfection. That's why I need his grace. That's why I need his love. That's why I need to be filled with his fullness. And the word filled here, you know what that means? The word filled means total dominance. When you're filled with something, it doesn't mean that I'm just, oh boy, aren't I happy. No, it's more than that. Someone that's filled with anger is what? Controlled by anger. See, he was full of rage. That means he was controlled by rage. Likewise, if you are filled with love, that means you are controlled by that love, his love. You are controlled by it. And so, to be filled with the fullness of God means that we are totally consumed, totally controlled, and dominated by his presence in us and his word to guide us. That's Paul's prayer. That is Paul's prayer. Is that yours? Is that yours? For some reason, we went back to the beginning there. Let me just click through this. This There's another thought. Sorry about that, everybody. Ah, there it is, benediction. This is it. All right. This right here, if there's a verse, I hope we don't have to use this this week, but you never know. If there's a verse I would want inscribed on my tombstone, It would be these two verses. (sighs) Because so often I tried to live the Christian life in my own strength. And I kept in that cycle of, of trying to do better, trying to do better, and then failing and asking, God, please forgive me. God, please forgive me. I'll try to do better, and then I do a little bit better, and then I fail. And then until I finally got down on my knees and said, Lord, I can't do it. And I surrender it to you. And if I grow in that relationship and I yield to his strength, then he begins to do in me and through me what I could never do by myself. In a way, I was trying to live the Christian life in the power of the flesh, in my own strength. Just by trying to keep the rules that I thought I needed to keep and I couldn't do it until I surrendered to him. And then you have a passion and be filled with his love. And that's why he breaks forth and he says to him who is able to do far more abundantly. Now these words in the Greek, the original, it's just like, Paul can't find the words. He uses words. One of the words is "uper." It is above. It is beyond. Like we get super. It is beyond. It is like beyond anything. And then he has a compound word that has that again. And that's why some translators say exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond. I just can't find the words. But he is able. And did you know that word translated able is a form of the Greek word dunamis? We get the word dynamite from that. It's a verb form of that word. That his power, he is powerful. He is able. And what's amazing is the word is translated able is a verb form of the word that the same root word is translated as power later in that verse. He says to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or even imagine or think. That word translated think could mean even to imagine or dream. He can do more than that. According to the power, there's dunamis again. The power that's at work in us. It's his power. He can do all of this stuff. His power is at work. That word work is the Greek word energia. We get the word energy from that. It is an active word. That his power is energizing us. His power is empowering us. To do his work. So he's doing this in me and through me. So I get blessed. But guess who gets all the credit and the glory? He does. It's his power. Working. Now this is Paul's prayer. Now positionally we are complete in him. You're in Christ. But what about practice? See our our practice. If I'm in Christ I'm saved. But my practice. That's how I think and how I live every day. And part of my sanctification process of my life is my practice growing to match my position of being Christ-like totally. And so I'm praying that my position and my practice will begin to match. I, I only, you know, positionally, I'm complete in Him, but practically, I only enjoy the grace that I take hold of, get a grip of, comprehend, apprehend by faith. The resources are there. He's able. He's able. And the end result. What's the end result? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. His glory. His glory is the end result. His glory. I want to get a grip on the wealth of his love. That's what this whole passage is about. Our churches ought to be filled every week with people ready to testify about the wealth of the love and the power of God in our lives. Are we experiencing it? We can. Because when I don't experience it, it's because I'm tuned in to me and something else instead of to him a big testify about the wealth of the love and the power of God about how he made me love someone and enabled me to love someone that I didn't think I could love how he gave me the ability to meet a need that I didn't think I could meet how that he turned things around in my life I ought to be willing to go before the Lord even if it means fasting and praying and saying Lord I know I can't but I know you can you're able he's able he's able to do above he's able to do beyond anything I could imagine any thing I could ask because of his power. And it's not just his power, but his power that's at work in every one of us. If we trust him. Let's get a grip on that. Amen. And hold on because it's an awesome ride. Let's pray. Father, thank you.